The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you're listening to The Makers of Minnesota. And we are talking with cool people doing cool things in the state of Minnesota, entrepreneurs, inventors, product originators. Um, If you ever have a story that you think we should know about or someone that you think we should talk to, please let us know. You can find us on Facebook at Makers of MN, also Instagram and Twitter. And we're always looking for great stories. And we repost a lot of the podcasts that we've done. We're coming up on our 100th episode here pretty soon. Um, So if you ever have ideas, feel free to let us know. Also, one of the things I want you to be looking for in the coming weeks is because we've done so many podcasts, we have people that we podcasted with, you know, 18 months ago. And in the life cycle of a business, that's a really long time. Many things have changed. I'm going to start doing mini makers where I connect back to the original stories and recheck in with those people to see how their business has changed and what has transpired from the time that we originally talked. Those will be some interesting stories, too. So start to look for that. Uh, today, I am excited to be with Melina Lamer, and she is the founder of Superior Switchel. And uh, Melina, you and I, I think first saw, I first saw you at a Midwest Pantry event maybe a long time ago. And I had never heard of Switchel. Explain to the listener what Switchel is. Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me. Yes. Um, thanks for being here. Super excited to be here. Yeah. Uh, so Switchel is a an old drink from the 17th century. It's a colonial classic beverage, uh, most commonly used like the original Gatorade. So it's full of electrolytes. It's really thirst quenching, rehydrating, um, and delicious. And it's just four simple ingredients ginger, water, apple cider vinegar, and an unrefined sweetener like honey or maple syrup. And did you drink this as a young person or how did you even know about this? Uh, So I didn't know. I discovered it in college. Uh, I was a college hockey player at St. Olaf. And during my hockey career, I was always looking for an alternative that was natural to Gatorade, Powerade. Yeah, because um, I trained those... for a marathon and they just load you up with the yeah. Gatorade. I was like, gross. Yeah. I was eating Fig Newtons. And yep. the only problem with that is like trying to swallow when you have <laughs> not an ounce of saliva. <laughs> that's valid. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's just because those big guys can afford to dull out all that free product. Free product. Yeah. So, yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best choice for you. So, um, yeah, we... You know, I back in college, I was making it specifically for myself, um, just as a, a post game refreshment or a post practice refreshment. And then, you know, it started to catch on and people heard I was I was making this um, kind of, I don't know, I, it didn't have the name Switchel at the time because I didn't even know it was called that. Uh, it was just more for my own uh, health benefit with the ginger and the vinegar in there. I knew it was good for digestion and yeah. inflammation. Um, so I knew that I wanted to get that in my diet. And a drink was just the easiest format. Um, So it was kind of like making a a big batch of tea. And then after doing more research about, you know, how to make apple cider vinegar taste better, uh, because it's it's kind of 
it's kind of difficult for a lot of people. It's to really get. sour. Yeah, it's kind of a face scruncher. So um, I came across the word switchel and read up on it and, and determined essentially that's what I was making. And uh, after college, just, you know, didn't really know what to do. I did a year of, uh, it was called the Food Corps. It was a year of service in Connecticut where I was implementing farm to school programs and um, teaching nutrition education to students and a lot of low income uh, neighborhoods. And That's cool, like the Peace Corps, but for food? Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. And so it's just a year or two of your time, and it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. And I knew from that moment on that I definitely wanted to continue my environmental and my food background um, with creating some sort of product. So I went forward with, with making and continuing to make what I always was making in college, Switchel. And, uh, you know, started at the Linden Hills Farmer's Market in 2015, and... From then, I just kept adding farmers markets, and I had a few retailers come up to me right away, like Jerry's Foods, of course, the Linden Hills Co-op, uh, Eastside Co-op, and they all wanted to carry the product. And I was I was actually quite surprised that a product I was making in a pretty you know rough shape, uh, just very, just you know bare bones. It was in a mason jar. I was hand filling it, doing it all myself. Yeah, and uh, I was quite you know pleased and surprised and humbled that people actually wanted to purchase it. So uh, that's how we started. And now we're in over 150 stores. So we've come a, come a long way. And you're in like a traditional soda bottle now. Mm-hmm. And you've updated your packaging. Yep. Um, tell me about going from the mason jar to, are you at a co-packer, I would assume? Yep. Okay. Yeah, now we're in a co-packer. And did you, that's a big step for lots of companies. How long were you making it before you went to the co-packer? So not including college um, as like an actual company. Uh, started in 2015. We made it for three years. And uh, when I say me, or when I say we, I mean me. It's, yep. It was just me. Uh, so, and my girlfriend was kind enough to help occasionally. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I got her sweat equity, but um <laughs> You know, yeah, it it started in that mason jar specifically because it kind of spoke to the historic roots of what Switchel is, being yeah. a 17th century colonial drink. It made sense to be in a mason jar. And then also hand filling all of the bottles. It kind of needed a wide mouth, yeah. right? So um, without wanting to invest in any bottling equipment before really knowing if Switchel was going to be the next thing or catch on, uh, I needed to hand fill. So uh, then after... So November of last year, 2017, I decided that we were outgrowing our space. Uh, I couldn't keep up with the retailers. I think at that point we might have had like 100 or 90 some mm-hmm. retailers. And um, the farmer's markets and the events have started to become very overwhelming. Um, and at that time I was working um, kind of going between three jobs. I worked at Lifetime and then uh, uh, Whole Foods and then I was a bartender and just kind of make ends meet. And then can I just stop for one second yeah. there? I was going to ask you about that because you went right from college to your own business. Yeah. Yeah. It, along the way, I'm assuming you were doing other jobs to pay the bills, as it were. Mm-hmm. And um, were your like family like, come on, what are you doing? Like you went to college. What was there pressure there? Yeah, a lot. And I I still really feel it. Um, my mom's side of the family is. Uh, you know, I would say every one of the cousins of mine all have their act together. They all graduated from the University of Minnesota, or sorry, excuse me, the University of Wisconsin. 
Um, I'm from Madison. So uh, graduated from college, got their master's in business or some sort of relevant degree, and then went and started working for some big corporation or a firm. And I was definitely and still am very much the black sheep, I would say. Um, I am, you know, probably... The only one with tattoos and the only one with my nose pierced and had dreadlocks for a while. And so I was quite the hippie child and I and I wanted to do something quite opposite, I would say, of many of my family members. Um, I was never interested in being an entrepreneur. Um, I, you know, I was very anti, you know, purchasing products and I think everybody has too many things and I was very, you know, minimalist. Yeah. And so I didn't see any advantage in, you know, turning turning a new leaf and going in that direction that everybody seems to go in. But at the same time, I knew that if I wanted to make an impact on the planet and the environment and people and, um, and, you know, really leave something for the next generation, I think I needed to create a company because then you have a product to sell. You're not just out there kind of, you know, proclaiming good things. You're actually making something that's benefiting people the planet and then hopefully turning a profit so and you can hire employees and you can be a good steward and kind of in the way um i have a podcast that just came out about peace coffee and kind of their trans transition from you know you start out and you're kind of these hippie co-op bean collectors and then you end up having this company that employs lots of people and Mm -hmm. can you be they're a B Corp. So can yeah. you still do good work and make money and do good things? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think we, we want to emulate that as well. You know, yeah. like we want to be, uh, you know, I don't want to say we want to be, but we're trying to emulate, you know, the Patagonia. Um, yeah. And now Patagonia is even getting into food with their provisions line. And I think that's, I think that's genius. I think, you know, food is the way to, to many people and the way to change. It's something that, People need every single day. So um, I think it's it's the greatest way to make an impact and hopefully um, not create too much waste in the process. Um, so that's, that's so, what I decided to do. And so where we left you was you were working three jobs and deciding mm-hmm. if you could go to the co-packer. And I'm assuming you're like bootstrapping this the whole time. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I Every paycheck I made, uh, I put right into the company. And so I would just save a little bit for my rent and my gas and classic bills. But um, yeah, and then I, you know, created a savings, especially from the bartending job. I, I would say I made bank at that yep. and then saved it all and then would quit and then just do switch a full time for like a jaunt. And by that, I mean, like maybe like six or eight months. Yep. And I would just really try to push it, get as much, you know, the really the packing, the making the product myself was what was the most time consuming. Yep. So I would spend just countless hours doing that, you know, up till 2 or 3 a.m. brewing and then waking up and doing answering all the emails and trying to market myself and do the social media, which I am not a fan of at all, um, and then go back and brew again. So, yeah, so juggling the three jobs, you know, I would try to save up the money, quit, use that money, splurge it all on Switchel, and then um, when, I'd, when I'd run out, I would go back to having a part-time job. And so I, then I, at that point, I became a mail carrier um, and I was hoping that, you know, with, I'd have better benefits and all of that, but, uh, truth be told, startup mail carriers really work over 50 hours a week. It's, it's ridiculous. I've never seen a harder working position. So really that was nearly impossible to sustain that job. And, um, 
switchel. But I thought it would be a good one. You know, you beat you're outside all day. Yeah. You're hanging out with dogs. You're you're talking with people. You get to listen to podcasts and yeah. really educate yourself. So I kind of use that opportunity as a way to like get my unofficial, you know, master's degree in business. Sure. And then um listening to all these podcasts and trying to learn and soak up as much info as possible. You're so smart. <laughs> well <laughs> I'm I just I have never talked to anybody to this point that has articulated that struggle and done it in such a way that I totally hear you and um, admire the way you did that. It is when you're bootstrapping a business, you know, you have a couple choices. You can either pay as you go or put it on credit cards. Yep. And there, if you're trying to pay your rent and do things along the way and live, sometimes yeah. the bootstrapping is just exactly the way you did it. And I loved how intentional you just talked about it. Um, so you get to the co-packer. Was that just like a huge financial decision or was it just like timing? I can't do this anymore. It's like it takes money to make money and I can't keep going. Yeah, it was a little bit of both. I mean, I, I definitely couldn't keep up. I was in a community kitchen and we didn't have enough. Uh, shared dry storage space, yep. uh, let alone refrigerated space. And so I knew I needed to get a new location. And at that point, it was either, you know, spend a million on building out a facility or essentially spend a million on um, getting a co-packer, redesigning it, making it more mainstream so that we could actually potentially go nationwide at some point. So I decided that because, you know, I was making concentrated switchel. It was non-sparkling. It was in a mason jar. You know, it was bare bones, as I said. So how do I really know if this can go national? So I don't, you know, it is a trial and error and it, it felt like it's been my life. You know, it was, it was three years and I thought, gee, this, you know, this should make it by now. But, you know, truth be told, trying it in, you know, like a Whole Foods or a Fresh Time or really making that next jump would really be the tell-all. So I, I wanted to put my best foot forward, and therefore I knew I needed to change the packaging, make it uh, a little bit lighter, uh, a little less ounces per bottle, a little more affordable for people. And I just knew I physically could not do that by myself. Yeah. Um, I had given everything I knew how to do, especially without any you know culinary background or business background. Sure. So at that point, I knew it was time to call in um, the big dogs. So uh, I... I found a company here through one of my mentors, actually in St. Paul, who uh, it's BevSource. Yeah. And they've worked with a multitude of companies, anyone from Joya Soda to Crispin Hard Cider to you name it. Um, and, and they're really fantastic. And I think a lot of food companies are looking for something in the food world that's comparable. I, I haven't found something like that. But in the beverage world, that's fantastic. They can help you from start to finish with your product. So if you want to reformulate, they can help you. Uh, if you want to, you know, you want to make sure your your packaging and your cogs are are low and at the best they can possibly be, or you want to find a new co-packer, they can help you. So do they um, are they helping you through? Do you pay them, or is it that they're getting a percentage of the product or the ownership or the distribution? How does that work? A little bit of both. So you have an upfront cost or a fee, and it just kind of depends on your project and yep. and what kind of scale you're looking for. Um, I believe the projects are three tiered, so you can pick, you know, one of those three tiers or sure. all three. Um, and then from there, after production, then they're going to get a percentage of each of your cases sold. So, uh, you know, if I get a PON, uh, a little percentage, it's like two cents a case. So it's pretty doable. Yeah. 
right now and for everything that they do. I mean, they oversee our production. Um, so I, I go to the co-packer with them and they have, you know, all the specs that we need to hit our bricks, um, our pH, everything. And they're really helping kind of be a, a professional sidekick to me to ensure that quality is on par. This is such a, um, cool, I mean, I guess, is it, are they, is it a distributor? Is that what their title is or what, how do they no, market themselves? It's kind of like, uh, it, it's like a, an affordable outsourced operations team or a production management team. It's so cool. I would, yeah. yeah, I wish there was something like that yeah. for the food side. And I can totally see why that appeals to somebody like you who is bootstrapping it, who's alone, who doesn't, yeah. I mean, you've got mentors, but you don't have other people working in this business with you. Right. And it took three years just to figure out how to make my subpar version, right? Like my yeah. mason jar version. It it took me that long to perfect that. I knew I couldn't spend another three years, you know, ditzing around with this. Sure. I really needed to get it out and get it going and, and move along. So, And your product is weird in that nobody knows what it is. They don't know how to use it. So yeah. there's so much in the marketing of it or the story of it. Like when you, when I see you at a farmer's market or I see you at an event, like you really have to explain to me what it is, why I want it. You have different flavors now. Is that, um, that's probably part of what makes it unique and compelling to you, but it's also got to be super hard. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's super stressful. Um, you know, I, I, I wish I could say I, you know, I, I don't wish I could say, but I wish I could say it was another me too product sure. or something that, you know, like. I don't want to say anyone has it easy, but to come out and, you know, if you're granola, people know what the heck that's right. right. And then it's just a matter of evaluating taste, texture, price, whatever. Yep. And if you can nail all those things, boom, you win. But for me and, you know, a lot of other similar products like shrubs, vinegar based drinks, that's essentially what we are. Um, That's very confusing to people, especially since shrub also means like a bush or something like that. So. You know, the word is weird. It's not in anyone's vocabulary. It's kind of like kombucha in that regard. When it came out, it was super hippie and niche and and people didn't know what it was or they still can't pronounce it or spell it. And, you know, now they've gone, I would dare say, mainstream. You can find them in convenience stores. Yeah. So that's I don't know that we want to go that mainstream, at at least not right now. But we definitely want to start educating people more. And so that process is so very time consuming. Um, so we spend a lot of time in marketing uh, our social media pages. And then, of course, all of the events that we do. And um, we also try to just do random pop ups uh, in businesses or if there's you know a wedding coming up and a f- friend of a friend really likes vinegar based drinks. Everybody kind of just shares that word and passes that along to us and invites us to come along and Um, We just do little pitches here and there for events. Can I just ask some questions that'll help? Uh, I'm a food person and I'm having trouble with switchel. So I'm just going to ask some questions that maybe people are thinking of. Yeah. Um, So kombucha is not my favorite, but you're basically supposed to drink like a quarter cup of it, right? And then it helps your gut. Yeah. Then there is these kombuchas that now like they're in the convenience store, like a big drink. Do I drink all of that? And then does that do the same thing as the old quarter cup did? It's just diluted. And Switchel, how is it different than kombucha? Is it because it's not fermented? Yeah. Okay. So that's a good question because I would say nowadays kombucha is more of a, an RTD or a ready to drink. Yeah. Right. So it it's normally like a, 
anywhere from a 12 to a 16 ounce bottle. And they're normally two servings per bottle, but people just drink a whole bottle, right? Um, so the difference is kombucha is going to obviously be fermented, as you said, and the ingredients are totally different. It's fermented tea, and then uh, there is cane sugar or a refined sugar in that process, um, and that uh, is fermented. And then its byproduct is obviously that fizzy, that fizzy drink that they call kombucha, but it's also a little bit, um, and by a little bit, I mean the alcohol content of a banana, so there is some alcohol content to it. Um, and then caffeine a little bit comes through from the tea. So switchel, on the other hand, is not fermented. So we get around that caffeine content. We get around that alcohol um, issue that's, you know, many kombucha companies are being sued over right now. And we also can be a shelf-stable product, which is awesome. And that's partially due to that apple cider vinegar and a really low pH. It's an awesome ingredient to have in a drink. And also, without that fermentation, um, you know, you're going to have less of a funky flavor profile. So I would say it's much more palatable and more approachable than a kombucha. So if you're scared of kombucha, um, which I actually am. I kind of <laughs> I, am too. Yeah, it's to me, uh, I don't really like to see many things squirreling around in my drinks. Yeah, right? like so, it's gray, it's even cloudy, it's there's stuff floating in there. Yeah. It's, it's not I just my feel jam. like it's going to hit my gut and just yeah. make it feel churny. Right. Is the way I... <laughs> yeah. But I didn't... Um, so when we were we were at a festival together and I was really like I'd walked 16 miles that day and it was super hot. I was feeling really low energy when I just happened to be standing next to you and you looked at me and you're like, here, do you want some switchel? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, sure. I was like, how much? She's like, here, just take a sip. And it felt like... And then I... It felt like an electrolyte like situation where when you're running a marathon, like you stop, you rehydrate. And like a half hour later, I was like, oh, I feel so much better than I did. Yeah. And the only thing different was your product. Good. Good to hear. Yeah. I mean, we I try to promote that, but it's funny how I will get, you know, I have a Google number that I put on the product. Uh huh. Um, so it's not really my cell phone, but it goes to my cell phone. Yeah. And. <laughs> I get a lot of people of the older generation um, who are asking or have just some great news to share with me about the product. And every time it surprises me and I'll, I'll answer and they'll be like, hey, is this the owner of Superior Switchel? And I'll say, yeah. They go, hey, I uh, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, I was I was feeling really down and I was kind of had a cold coming on and I just took a sip of your product and I felt like a million bucks. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's great. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, you know? And, you know, sometimes you don't get a great call, but a lot of time we do. And it's, it's always a little surprising, but, um, it's nice that, you know, people are finding it and, and finding the benefit, even if we can't, you know, necessarily put all of the health benefits on the bottle or the packaging. Yeah. Um, a lot you have of to be people be pretty careful about all that. Yeah. Your bottle, do I drink, if I'm going to be a switchel drinker, do I drink the entire bottle in one sitting? Most do. Um, but I, you know, I will agree and I will say that vinegar is, is a tough, a tough ingredient as is ginger. So they're both pretty potent, um, and tart and tangy, but yeah, ideally you shake it up just so that that ginger is not settled at the bottom of your bottle, shake it up real good. It'll disperse, let it sit for 10 seconds. It's a little bit carbonated, so you don't want it to explode and then crack it open and pour it over ice and, and drink the whole bottle or mix, you know, six ounces of it in a cocktail 
Um, Do or, people drink it with cocktails, yeah. like gin and vodka? Because that would have never occurred to me because I see it as a health drink. Yeah. But yeah. now that you're saying it, and then you brought shrubs into the equation, which I love in drinks. Yeah. Like, this could That's, be my new mixer. Yeah. Yeah. It's all of our flavors blend really well with vodka, tequila, bourbon, or whiskey. And um, in particular, I like a gin and tonic with a lavender lemon is, is delicious. Um, and then like a Moscow mule or a hot toddy with the honey cinnamon and then a whiskey ginger with the orange. So, okay. yeah, quite versatile. And you can also drink hot like a tea. Just pour it in a kettle or in a in a mug and throw it in the microwave for a minute. Uh, that honey cinnamon especially is very good if, if you've got like a winter cold or yeah. something like that. And, you oh, know, this is so exciting. Boost. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to have to educate the world about switchels. And do you do your own social media and how do you possibly take that on? Yeah, so uh, I started off doing all of my social media, and now um, my trusty sidekick, my girlfriend, has offered to uh, to do that as as a nice gesture. So she does our Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, website, you name yeah. it. Um, so yeah, our our website is just superiorswitchel.com. Instagram is superiorswitchel, and our Twitter is switchelmn. So we are utilizing all platforms, and I'm also, uh, you know, again, doing a lot of events and trying to market that way. I think it's best in person when people get to try it um, for a little free sample, and then uh, I can help promote its benefits and whatnot. Um, and then also we, we try to do a lot of events where we can throw it into a cocktail or a mocktail. So um, if you've got any parties or some, things like that or uh, distilleries. Uh, so those are great marketing um, exposure, but we also uh, partner with uh, a local PR firm, uh, Field Guide, and uh, Mary is the owner of that, and she's fantastic. She has been helping to uh, promote our product uh, with a lot of local companies. Do you um, sample at, like, liquor stores, too? Like, yeah. I know you're at Certix. Yep. Yep. So we um, we used to be in more, and when we changed our packaging, we ended up losing a couple uh-huh. because, I don't know, they were confused or, or whatnot. Yep. Um, so. Yes, we, we, we're trying to add more liquor stores um, and more on-premise sites. Um, we are right now in one brewery, Omni Brewing in Maple Grove, yep. and they fly through the Switchel. It's it's one of their only I wonder, products. I, so. I bet it would taste good mixed with beer, actually. It, it is, yeah. The orange maple I prefer with a beer. And um, you can do like a – we had one brewery. It was called uh, She Brewing in St. Paul, and they had a, a tart, cherry, sour kind of ale – and they mixed it with our honey cinnamon, and it was amazing. Like a beer cocktail. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I know they're, you know, they're beer enthusiasts don't want to adulter their beer, but um, there are a lot of people out there, especially in uh, craft breweries, looking for good craft NA drinks. Yeah, and just different so. things. There isn't a, good, a lot of good non-alcoholic no. type options. Yeah. Um. So here you are. You're now at the Co-Packer. The business is evolving what do you spend your day doing? Are you just, besides, I, I have a feeling you spend a lot of the day sampling and doing events, but are you also doing sales? Yeah. Um, How does that feel? Yeah. So I would say I spend, unfortunately, the majority of my time sitting behind a computer screen, yep. <laughs> answering emails, sending emails, pitching the product. Um, we've contacted just about every company you can think of, from ice cream to liquor stores to typical standard grocery stores. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time answering emails, uh, less time doing what I enjoy, which is like research and development and new flavor ideas, um, 
testing testing those out. I'm still, you know, finding time to fit that in, but uh, I still also have to sell, you know, what we've produced yep. and make sure that it's a viable product and something that's going to really catch on before I can keep expanding. How do you um, know so, when it's time to bring a salesperson on or a distributor? Yeah, I well, I definitely think that a distributor, that's pretty easy, right? Like if you can't keep fulfilling demand yourself um, in your one vehicle, and if you don't want to do DSD or, you know, direct, uh, bring on a fleet of vehicles, then it's time to bring on a distributor for sure. And, you know, a lot of retailers, they like working direct, but most, I would say, prefer not to. Yep. So as you're probably aware. So it's, I think it's to your advantage to get in sooner. Um, more doors will open for you. But at the same regard, you know, if you, let's say you jump at your first distributor that comes to you or it's the easiest distributor, quote unquote, to get into. Well, then a bigger distributor comes along and finds them to be uh, competitive, right? And yep. they don't want to bring you in because they're kind of taking from the same pie that they yep. would be. So it's it's difficult. You don't want to jump at the first one. I think you want to look at all of the distributors and analyze what territories they cover and then decide, you know, in a few years, if I'm bigger than this, will I need a distributor that right now is competitive with smaller distributor and then make that decision uh, about which is more valuable to you. Uh, so I kind of did that. You know, I, I distributed for as long as I could. And it was like two years. And then eventually I was like, okay, I can't keep up with emails, demos, events, and distributing. So I hurried up and uh, I got in with uh, local market distributing out of Burnsville and then Co-op Partners Warehouse, which is, is slightly, you know, same territory, but, uh, I would say market distributing has really helped us enter more of the bigger supermarkets like Coburn's and Cashwise yep. and Ivy, things like that. And CPW has been fantastic working with independents and local co-ops and cafes like Spy House Coffee. Yeah. Cause that's so, a whole, like your product, it's so versatile. Like you could be in liquor stores, you could be in grocery stores, you could be in lifetime fitness cafes cause yep. there's the health benefit. You yep. could be in um, food service, like in some ways, like I talked to Johnny Pops and because their product is really has a really high healthy profile and yeah. kids like popsicles, yeah. like food service and schools have been a big uh, uh, driver for them. Yeah. Food service is actually what I would recommend everybody hands down immediately. Like that is what I wish I could have just, you know, dove right into. But with a product like Switchel, you kind of need to get it on the shelves of the retailers for people to see and read and learn about before yep. you can just throw it into food service and hope people will buy it. Um, you know, it's not like coffee where people, you know, they know what coffee or, is. Yeah. yeah. It's like an automatic sale. So I thought going retail first might kind of get of us a little bit of an edge um, in developing the background of the product and the history and the benefits. And then I would love to uh, at some point get into food service and definitely, definitely gyms. Lifetime is, has been a target. Um, they're a little bit more of an expensive slotting fee to get yep. into. So that's been limiting. Um, and slotting fees, just for the listener, is yeah. what? So that they know. Yeah. So a lot of supermarkets you'll find will have a slotting fee. And I guess apparently gyms as well. So lifetime, um, the slotting fee is, is quite expensive. And it's just a fee that, I mean, it's it's over 10000 So it's it's a fee that you have to pay up front in order for them to bring your product in. Mm-hmm. And supermarkets and co-ops and things like that usually don't have a sliding fee, but they, they might have a free fill. 
So that is is totally doable uh, and preferred. Just offer a free case of each of your SKUs. So that's more affordable for sure. Um, but signing fees, you know, if it's a good account, if they can guarantee a lot of sales of your product, it's worth that fee up front. Um, it's just something to keep in mind that if your product doesn't move, they can just kick you out and you don't get that slotting fee back. I wish they had like, because in that instance, I do think you would be a great fit there. And I know that people have slotting fees and that's how they manage their business. But I wish there were like slotting fees that were for un- undiscovered products or yeah. that they had like a different tier for people like you. Right. Because I think once that product got on those shelves, it would be pretty beneficial. Yep. Um, so we yeah. have to we have to work on that. We have to change yeah. the grocery and change the system. <laughs> yep. Um, when you think about like the next six months, like what are the biggest challenges for you coming up? You've done a really great job on a big service here today, explaining to a lot of people out there that have products some of the challenges and the and the steps along the way and the things you're thinking about. What are the next six months like? Uh, well, unfortunately for me, it feels like I almost have to start over again. Um, so, and what do you mean by that? Well, we went into glass bottles from our mason jar. Uh, and again, you said it was like a, a classic soda bottle or a beer bottle. Um, we went into that because upfront costs were lower mm-hmm. than moving into an aluminum can, right? So with cans, you have to buy in bulk, like truckloads. And that upfront cost is very hindering for your cash flow. So we automatically said, all right, although glass is more expensive uh, in the long run, it upfront, it's more affordable. So we're going to move into glass and that can continue to keep that sort of uh, what's more of like a upscale vibe for craft, the product. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like a craft vibe. And we really, you know, we're in a lot of specialty cafes and special, specialty mm-hmm. shops. So we wanted that product to look like it, it was worthwhile and yep. worth worth that uh, three ninety nine that you're spending. So now <laughs> we're finding that our biggest struggle is although it's a health beverage and a functional beverage, and therefore it should be by the kombuchas and the fresh pressed juices and the coconut waters of the world, it's shelf stable. So when it's all said and done, if you're a shelf stable sorry a shelf stable product coming in on a shelf stable truck. You get put on the dry shelf, right? Right. So a three ninety nine drink on a dry shelf next to two ninety nine and under is is it's a hard sell. Yep. Um, and people are you know automatically more gravitating towards the cooler space. So you should so, be by like the naked juices and the refrigerated produce part. Exactly. Yeah. And so we you know my sales team and my and myself were really struggling to argue for that space because that's a coveted space. Yeah. And so if we're not getting that space, we're going to have to figure out a way to drop our price. And right now, you know, margins are slim enough. So in order for, for me to actually make any income, I think we'll have to change our packaging eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, to go to aluminum? Yeah, probably mm-hmm. a, like a 12-ounce sleek can. Um, so it'll still be kind of fancy. It'll It'll look nice. And honestly, it will fit into my mission more. It'll be uh, more sustainable. Um It'll also be lighter, so shipping costs will be less, um, and ultimately it'll be at a lower price to the consumer, which is is great. Hopefully we'll sell more, and it'll be versatile so they can actually take it hiking and, and take it into the places that we see Switchel being, like on a boat, for example. Um, what so- about um, the, w- 
The cool thing about aluminum cans these days is they have different sizes and they have some different finishes on the cans with sort of the matte. Um, So I'm trying to think of a black eye roasting company Mm -hmm. does kind of a matte can that's a little bit different. Has, has anyone in your category explored like uh, um, the box, like a bandit wine or What's another example? Um, so, like, they're like almost like little or... juice boxes. Oh, like a um, like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've I've thought about doing that, um, and I don't think anyone else in the category, nobody in the category is doing that for sure. Um, but we're probably in the same place that you're at now, which is yep. that no one's going to know what to do with this. Exactly, yep. and it's actually pretty expensive, and a lot. And we've thought about other pouches, uh, you know, like. You know how baby foods coming in, yeah, those or like pouches. a Capri Sun juice pouch yep. thing, and a lot of them are just not sustainable. Yeah, you know they just don't speak to our mission. They're not recyclable, um, and just end up in the landfill. Yep. So, I think ultimately we'll have to stick with cat uh, with glass or aluminum, ideally both. But I think that's just not in the budget right now. Have you seen the um, the cans that they use for Coppola wines? They oh. have a product called Sophia that is a sparkling rosé um, wine, and it's in a small can, uh-huh. and they have it at Certix, so when you're there. Okay. And then they have another product that they also produce that is a larger, slimmer can that is for their wine products. They have like a Sauvignon Blanc, they have a rosé, they have a red. Yeah. And they just feel higher class yeah something about their packaging and maybe it's just the it isn't maybe it isn't the packaging at all maybe it's just the logos and everything but just maybe next time you're in a liquor store pick those up yeah i will because it just reminds me of something that i could see your product in yeah and it it might actually be what we're looking at right now i don't know if if it's a it's a sleek is it like a narrow can? yeah mm-hmm. yeah and joya maybe. has a can that's kind of similar it might be along those lines. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty trendy right now. The Sophia one's smaller. Okay. It's like, okay. it's like two thirds of the size. Okay. So it's just, it's, and it's bigger than like the old, remember the old grapefruit juice with the like metallic pull off yep. tab yeah. thing. Yep. It's a little bigger than that. I don't okay. know. It's, it's makes me think of you. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, it's been really fun to talk to you. Um, again, you've really laid out a lot of the challenges of a beverage entrepreneur for sure. I love the way you've thought about it. Are you still working another job to pay the bills and to bootstrap or are no. you able to make it? Yeah, I. Uh, this is the first year I am just doing Switchel full time. So it's been pretty phenomenal to dedicate all of my time to it. And, and you're in your fourth year? Yeah. Yep. We're going here into our fourth. You know so. what they say about five? Uh, if you make it past five, you're, you're golden or what? And that you're unemployable anywhere else. Oh, so yeah. you may as well just keep doing <laughs> yeah. research and development and growing your own line. Yep. That's, that's ideal. <laughs> uh, thank you for spending time with me today. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. At Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing and a less than perfect one. <laughs> Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. An F-16 pilot having hydraulic problems with his aircraft managed to parachute to safety as the plane smashed into a warehouse east of Los Angeles. Fire Captain Fernando Herrera. That pilot landed in the uh, March Air Force Base area. 
What's in the base itself. Amazingly, there were no serious injuries after the plane hit the building. Alabama executed a man last night for his role in killing four people after an argument over a pickup truck. Tennessee executed a man who killed his wife. Reporters couldn't see the execution, but AP correspondent Travis Lawler says... We could hear sounds, uh, including a singing that uh, uh, Mr. Johnson's attorney says was him singing a hymn. Answering a reporter's question, President Trump said he hopes the U.S. is not on a path to war with Iran. Mr. Trump has dismissed suggestions that any of his advisors are trying to push him into a conflict. I'm Rita Foley.